When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, you uh, you issued a commitment a while back, or you asked for a commitment a while back, and now you have a, you have a signing day ceremony coming up. You excited? Yeah, we just uh, hope she doesn't flip on the last day, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, is she uh, taking visits? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> uh, you never know, though, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, it's a long time coming, Mitch. We got a lot going on over here. I'm super excited for the wedding day. Um, even more excited to get back some of my days uh, so that I can, you know, go back to being just my lovable me without having to call flower vendors and all that sort of thing. So um, you're growing up. We're, we're proud of you, Ari. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, this, will, I guess, will be the last uh, episode that we do maybe together as a single man. So let's make a count. OK. OK. This is like well, my bachelor party of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try to stay out of trouble here. But Keep uh, your shirt uh, on. Big show, a uh, lot of commitments this week. It's real things are really picking up. Um, some right before we recorded as well. Um, we're gonna revisit Ari's bold prediction for Ohio State's 2023 class and see where he stands on that. Now, we'll talk briefly on some collectives and Stu Mandel had another story about that this week. We're gonna highlight a couple of schools having, I, I guess, surprising recruiting classes, although it's still early. I think it's a really good trivia question, Ari. I might introduce it earlier because it, it could be a talking point for some okay. other stuff. Yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. Um, and I, I'm hold on. I might ask you to explain the grape juice computer story from your freshman year in college. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, all right. What? So, I will. I want to just say that I hope that one day we get into this podcast groove. Um, and it's out of Mitch and I's control, but where we don't have to talk about collectives every week. Um, well, that's, you know what? That, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I kind of I put briefly like I I don't know what our listeners we'd love to hear from you like do people care like it was big news when it happened when Stu broke that story and and David Oven had the one on Tennessee but I know what do you think do, do people care Ari I think people care to a certain extent when it's their favorite team I don't yeah. know if people care about other people's collectives now. The so interesting like fantasy football. No the, one cares about your fantasy football. Team. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is that the collectives are going to be an integral part of determining the results that people care so much about. So if that's the case, you would think conventional wisdom would be that you would care about the collectives because if one thing is impacting the other, then you want to think a lot about the thing that's impacting the thing you care about. But at the same time, it's a lot of minutia. It's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of theory and frankly, we can't prove anything and people. Right. So it's just like, if you don't know the numbers and the stats, I think people are probably more so just probably annoyed of just talking about it because there's not a lot of concrete information. And it's just like, other than what seems to be Tennessee, just, you know, killing everybody right now in the, in the world. Um, I don't know 
how much we can add to it. So it's interesting to, to talk about values of players and stuff, but I don't think the average person cares how much a four-star defensive tackle could be worth to random collective B. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the word you use, it's a speculation too. We don't know. Like if we knew, if this was like NFL free agency and we could say this guy's being paid this and then maybe it's a little more interesting. We could compare, contrast, but we don't know. We don't know who's getting what and how, you know, how many guys are getting, but it's, it's sort of like, it's the time we live in right now. And it's, I don't know, wild, wild west is the right term. It's, it's, it's crazy the first year, but uh, so let's dive in. You real know what quick. it kind of feels like to me? Okay. It feels like speculating on what your baby is going to look like when your wife is three months pregnant. <laughs> it's like, you, you know, a there's a baby, you know, there's, well, yeah, it's like you, you know, you, you think about it, you know, it's like, but the baby isn't formed yet. So how could you possibly even know the answer to that? Because it doesn't even exist yet. And that's kind of part of it too. It's like every week there's more and more context or information of what it could look like or what it will be. But again, speculation and it varies greatly from, from, from program to program. And the only thing that kind of really drives me insane is when coaches and administrators of programs outwardly dismiss the importance of it or say things like, we're not going to pay attention to it or we're not going to engage in that. And just like, why are you dismissing participation in the new wave of college football before it's even started yet? To me, that's just a admission of, of being apprehensive to adapt. And if we've learned anything from Nick Saban and the successful programs in this country is that adaptation is crucial to success. So we don't know exactly where each team is going to stand in five years and what it's going to look like in five years. But if I was a fan of a favorite or my favorite team's athletic director or coach said, we're not going to engage in this, I would be very upset about that. Yeah. And Chip Kelly recently, the UCLA coach, um, came out and said, I think there are some places that have weaponized NIL and are using it in recruiting. That's not going to happen here. So we're not, we're don't need to discuss Why it. Is now, it I just don't understand the word weaponized. What do you mean? Like wanting to pay people more is weaponizing it? Just using it as a, as a tool to recruit rather than an incentive, sort of like once the guys are here to sort of like your Wake Forest story that you wrote, you know, uh, yeah. to a smaller scale. Like once the guys, we want to enhance their experience at Wake Forest or UCLA or whatever the school is. Now, I, I will say but there the is the person some, who created the, the Wake Forest collective doesn't view paying players as weaponizing them. I think he's just rational about what they'll be able to afford and who they'll be able right, to get. Right, but I think Chip Kelly's afford. talking about the, the recruiting inducements part. Now, I, I, I still think we are in a very gray area in that mm -hmm. part of it, where a lot of programs and coaches are still apprehensive about the recruiting in, inducements and, and will the NCAA at some point try and crack down on it. Um, so I, 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 we can sit here and make fun of Chip Kelly and all that, but I don't have that much fault with the way he said it. I, I find more fault. I just wouldn't with say it at Arizona, all. Yeah, you're, you're right. I find more fault with what you know said at Arizona State. You know, they're going to focus on development of players and you know getting ready guys ready for the NFL. And you had you had fun with that over the weekend. Yeah. Um, after what Arizona, uh, a in-state four-star wide receiver, um, committed to. I'm trying to think the white. Where, where'd he go? Um, he went to Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. That's it. And you you said at least at least Arizona State's going to you know focus on developing guys for the NFL. So that was uh, and the person committed to Oregon and Oregon is one of the schools that people think are speculating have been right. ahead of the curve on the NIL. So it's like it wasn't just that an in-state player left um, Arizona. It was just also to a school that seems to be 
willing and, and able to make things happen in that realm. So, you know, it's just a, it's an interesting dynamic because it's just like, I don't know how you separate those two things, Mitch. It's like, oh, you can't incentivize somebody to come to your school, but how are you going to stop somebody from uh, thinking about what they might stand to make when they get somewhere? Like, you can't separate those two things. As much as the NCAA would like to say you can't induce uh, somebody to come to your school based on NIL promises, it's just like, well, what do you think people are considering? It's the same thing that you, you could have made the case three years ago saying you can't induce somebody to come to your school for playing time. They're always People are only in... You know, thinking about themselves and considering what they might actually be able to gain from that decision. And if it's financially, then that's part of it. Like, I, I honestly don't know how the NCAA would have a, a leg to stand on in terms of trying to come down or limit the amount of money that's being spent or how it's being spent. So, like, I think that this this whole thing of NCAA uh, involvement is kind of a, uh, a funny thing to look at because I think in three or four years it's just going to be a free for all because you can't possibly sanction somebody for saying they're going to say pay somebody down the road when that's part of the life decision that that person's making. Yeah, so let's go over some some notable commitments. A big one here locally. I, you know, I live in Nashville and in Tennessee. Got Caleb Herring, a four star um, edge rusher from Murfreesboro, top one hundred national player. His brother Elijah is a class of twenty twenty three committer. Yeah, commit to signee to Tennessee. So, you know, Tennessee has missed out on a lot of five stars, local kids in recent years. So it's important for this new staff. They got the number one player in the state uh, to commit. Seems like there's some serious momentum for Tennessee football, Tennessee recruiting. Uh, USC just got a four star running back, Quentin Joyner from from Texas. Um, one of the in, in the 2023 class, it'll lower their average player rating wasn't it like 99 because i think they had like four four commits and they were all five yeah yeah it's definitely going to lower it yeah yeah so um i want to talk about a couple quarterbacks i found interesting jj cole Mm -hmm. kid from ankeny yeah ankeny iowa you wrote about him last year when he was kind of an under the radar prospect he's from the cole kicking camp family uh one thing that you remembered about the story he has very large feet but a four-star kid going to iowa state and picked Iowa State over Minnesota. Just first of all, what do you remember about that story? About I remember him? that he comes from a kicking family, and his father, Jamie Cole, is, runs the kicking, the Cole kicking uh, camps and stuff. And that's the publication that is the most reliable recruiting rankings for kickers and punters and specialists. And I remember that J.J. Cole wanted to be a kicker, but they ruled him out because his feet were too big. And I think his this kid has that like a weird. size sixteen foot or something. It's like some shack sized foot. Is like and he too was too big of surface area. I don't. Understand I don't. The I don't understand the dynamic. I mean, I don't know. I mean, kicking a football seems painful to me. I don't. I've never in my entire life have even attempted it. I don't think. I think I did one time and it hurt, and I never did it again. So, like the idea of like dedicating your life to putting a football between the uprights seems hard for me to to fathom because that motion in general just seems uncomfortable. <laughs> but. He couldn't do it because his foot was too big. So he ended up playing quarterback and like was one of the the I mean during COVID was one of the under-evaluated players at his position and then I see now a year and a half later that um he has kind of risen up and got his fourth star and now is the 324th player in the country from Ankeny, Iowa and then goes to Iowa State. I think it's the perfect type of prospect that Iowa State has to get. You know, yeah. it's not it's it, not a national recruit, but if you're a four-star quarterback in Iowa, 
who's super talented and Iowa gets him, I think that's a huge win uh, for the Cyclones. Yeah, we talk a lot about in-state kids and prior prioritizing in-state kids. I, I found this interesting. So Iowa recently got a commitment from a quarterback from New Jersey, Marco Lanitz, mm-hmm. L.A. He's a blue chipper I, too, right? Yeah, um, and they kind of prioritized him over J.J. Cole. And then remember a few months ago, Nebraska grabs a commitment from William Watson from Massachusetts. And Mitch Sherman wrote about Zane Flores, a up-and-coming quarterback from Gretna, Nebraska, who just committed to Oklahoma State. So you have two programs here that – in Nebraska and Iowa, went out of state to the East Coast and kind of prioritized those two guys over in-state kids. Not saying that's the right decision or the wrong decision, but it'll just be interesting to follow. Iowa fans will be following J.J. Cole's development at Iowa State, a guy that maybe they think they could have gotten if they prioritized him. And some Nebraska fans are saying, hey, we got this kid in-state who's going to play for Mike Gundy. Surely he's good enough to play for us. Such that the dynamics there were kind of interesting. I'm Googling Kevin Durant's shoe size. Yeah, don't. Because have you seen that picture of his long foot? Well, he infamously stepped on the line in the game seven against Milwaukee. Well, I mean, his foot is like longer than a foot. It's like a freakishly long foot. And honestly speaking, if you believe in God or you don't believe in God, I don't even know what I believe. But there is no possible way that a human body could be put on earth to play basketball or to be formed in a way that Kevin Durant's body was formed. And Mitch is a big Nets fan, but like I was watching him during warmups the other day and like his arms are basically dragging on the floor, like the wingspan, his foot size. And the reason why I bring this up though, is because JJ Coles, he wears a size 18 shoe. Wow. Which is like, I don't even know what that means. Is that like twice my foot? If I were a 10, like, I mean, like think about that. What do you wear? But, uh, 11. Okay, put your feet together and like look at it. I think it might be that. That's how long Kevin Durant's foot is. J.J. Cole's foot is 16. So you think it's like a, a big, big men, they say, have struggle free throw shooting because their hands are too big? Do you think that's the same, same dynamic? I'll read the quote kicking? from the story that I wrote a year and okay. a half ago. Uh, he I said that. Yeah, you did at some point. That's why there's no errors in it. Um, yeah. I th- The... Uh, the quote is that um, it made me it made the decision for me not to kick pretty easily uh, because he didn't have a decision. And Jamie said that most NFL kickers were size 12 or smaller. Uh, Coles could have had all the instruction in the world, but simply put, his foot was too big to kick the ball off the ground at the highest level. Cole has kicking in his blood. His body, however, did not cooperate. So I don't know. Push punts. He'll be great pooch punt third down. Uh, I guess there is some sort of mechanism with the way that you're supposed to launch the ball off the floor that a big foot gets in the way of. So I don't know. Just knowing nothing about kicking, I can just tell that having a size 16 foot would make that more difficult. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So now Iowa State's got a big foot, a big foot quarterback. Big footed kick. Big big footed quarterback. Quarterback. Um, All right. Don't look it up. Do you know who has the number one recruiting class in the class of 23 right now? Uh, Notre Dame. Texas Tech. What did that happen? Uh, It's been a couple days. 15 commits. The, well, they've got 15 commits. The next most is 10 with Arkansas. Tech's average player rating is 87.71. Mm-hmm. Last year's transitional class under Joey McGuire was 86.48. In 2021, it was 86.44. So going up a full point, that's a pretty big jump. Uh, so they're, they're definitely getting a better quality of player. We don't. This will not last. 
it's more like a top 15 top 20 class don't you with the, with those numbers i would think yeah i mean um, there are there are a lot of teams like alabama's 27th clemson's 28 ou's 23 oh yeah. texas is 31 um, i wasn't trying to say no 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 what i'm top, saying yeah. is like if you go back and you look at like last year's final rankings you can get a good uh, indication of where that would probably land. Yes. Um, 87, like 87 is in the the late 20s uh, or, the, yeah. or the low 20s uh, for for that ranking. So, you know, it's great that Texas Tech has filled their class basically with 15 commits where they probably got like seven to 10 more to go. Um, I would love to see if, if McGuire can sprinkle in like a random top 100 Texas player to like make the icing on the cake a little bit better. Um, they've got some four stars they do they do they do they do have some four stars um i have the class in front of me the highest rated player it's funny to me too because it's like 15 commitments and all 15 are from texas which is the exact blueprint of what tech is trying to do right there but they have two top 200 players isaiah crawford from post texas number 162 overall and uh brendan jordan mansfield texas number 181 so um i don't know what they were like their best rated player was in 2022 um, but that's probably in line with what tech has been doing from an upside percent. Well, actually, no, Texas Tech's highest rated player in last year's class was 434. So there is improvement there. And I, it's absolutely the thing that I'm, I'm more excited about with Texas Tech more so than than the actual ranking or where they wind up this year. I don't know that I find that that fascinating because if they end up between 27 and 40, like whatever. What I'm excited right. about is seeing whether or not Texas Tech is inexplicably awesome in three years because Joey McGuire knows every single high school coach in Texas and is signing undervalued players that we don't appreciate are undervalued right now. Great point. That Great that to point. me is going to be the thing to track. But he, there's trust. There's a two way trust there. Yeah, I mean, I covered him and the high school coaches. I covered one of the biggest juggernauts in college football for ten years and some of their best players that they've ever had. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner wouldn't even have been on the team if Urban Meyer were the head coach because there isn't a trust issue that you have. Like Troy Smith was a three-star throw-in that Jim Trestle like, took Ted Ginn Jr.'s father's word for it and said, take this kid, he's going to be good, and the guy won the Heisman. And I think that there's a little bit of element of that that isn't really prevalent in the top 10 classes anymore because it's so concentrated at the top now. Like If you go look, I think it would be an interesting story if you like researched basements of the top classes in the country, like between 2010 and 2015, I bet you there would be more three-star prospects on average in those classes than there are at the bottom half of the classes that are at the top now, which means that there's less risks being taken on the undervalued gems and more opportunity for teams like Texas Tech and other in-state schools in talent-rich areas to to annex the Troy Smiths of the world that would have at one point ended up at the powerhouses, but now no longer have room for them because there's so many top 100 players taking up their spots. So certainly interesting. And I watched Moneyball last night and I was super inspired by it. Have you seen that you'd movie? See, you'd, see, you'd seen it before, right? Yeah, I just watched it again because I was bored and yeah. it was on. And I've seen it. I, I saw it when it came out. I saw it in the past. And I year. thought that there was a again. valuable lesson in that movie. And it's just like you can gang the numbers and you can do what you can. Baseball is a very different game than football. I get that. It's statistically driven way more than the physical nature of football. But there is only so far that you can go to gain the system. And I think that what's what's interesting is, is that that also like rings true to the college football versions of that, that we've come to love so much, like the Iowa States two years ago or the Wisconsin's or the Northwestern's or the teams that 
typically don't recruit top level on paper classes, but seem to outperform them, still have that Oakland A's dropped in the divisional round of the playoffs ceiling. And um, the way that you transcend that, I think, in the past, uh, if you were a team that doesn't have the big market, for lack of a better term, uh, advantage in college football is to get these undervalued gems. And now that the Oakland A's uh, or the Texas Techs uh, aren't really competing as much uh, with the Yankees and the Red Sox of the college football world is that maybe they'll be able to go out and get the the Hatterbergs or whatever you, you can that that teams that are recruiting 15 top 100 players in a single class just simply don't have room for anymore. Yeah, and, and we Sam Kahn wrote about this in his uh, kind of behind the scenes on SMU building its recruiting staff. And this isn't unique to SMU, but a lot of recruiting departments they, they scour the the wet the the internet looking for fast track and field times, hundred times, and that they 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 won't. There's certain line of demarcation where they want a kid under that. Then then they'll do some more research. They'll dive in. They might take a kid who's only played football for one year, who's raw because he's got that speed. Where Texas A&M doesn't need to take that that chance, but school like SMU or Texas Tech might take it. Yeah, and, and if you take the chance a lot, your team's going to suck. But if you take it the right amount and you hit on a few of them, you're going to be really awesome. So like, there's this like weird, it's like such a weird thing to do because you're on one hand you're saying, well, the big time teams just don't have time for for risks as much as they used to with with three star prospects that aren't getting recruited at a high level. So they're not going to be as good. And it's like, well, if the reason for that is because they're just getting proven awesome players instead, then <laughs> then there's no need to find the under the radar gems because you're getting really good players under the radar. Gems are really good for programs that need them. So, um, right. Here, here's a good example. I remember when Bobby Johnson was at Vanderbilt, he got an offensive lineman from Baton Rouge named Chris Williams, really tall, skinny, raw kid developed into a first round pick of the bears and all Vanderbilt fans, whenever they get a commitment, Oh, you know, Chris Williams was a low three star was well, how many other low three stars did they take who didn't pan out? So it's yeah, like, you, yeah, you, and for you, every, you, you, it's probably one out of five. Right, exactly. So they're fun. Every program loves to, every coaching staff, every program fan base loves to brag about those three stars who develop, but it's not good practice to take five or six, you know, also everybody likes to talk about how awesome it was that Jordan Davis was a three star prospect. And that's great. What an awesome under the cover gem Georgia had. If Jordan Davis's career never panned out and he sucked, there'd be a five-star person waiting to play right behind him. So you have a you have a larger runway for error when you have really good rosters to kind of take these risks. The the problem is is that there are a lot of teams that find themselves in a position that they have to rely on these risks. And when these yeah, risks exactly. don't pan out and you're relying on them, then you have a major hole in your team and then thus you suck. So there is a balance there. I'm just saying there's probably more opportunity than ever for a person like McGuire at Texas Tech in the state of Texas to land undervalued players that are a lot better than their rankings indicate, which means that they probably, and it would not surprise me if they won the Big 12 after Texas and Oklahoma leave. All right, let's real quick on Louisville. Uh, we've mentioned them in the past. I don't think we talked about Louisville in the first four or five months that we did this show, but they continue to have success in California. They got a top 150 cornerback Aaron Williams, Louisville has nine commitments now. Class is ranked seven. Four players from California, including the top three in the class. So that you, that's not one of those pipelines that you think about, Ari. Uh, Louisville to uh, uh, to California, but they're doing something right there. I don't know if it's a collective issue or or whatever, but this is a important class for Scott Satterfield, and we've talked about it. 
They have not been recruiting the state or region necessarily well. So, hey, let's go out to California and get some players. It appears to be working right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the fun thing about that is, is that when it's working, it's awesome. The, the downside to that <laughs> is that if a pipeline gets shut off, then you're in trouble because I think Kentucky is winning the Kentucky battle. And yes. uh, that is all well and good right now for Louisville that they're doing that. But I also don't know that I would feel great about being not exactly second, sustainable. Yeah, model. sustainable model. So also, too. Pierce Clarkson is a very eccentric young man who likes going to visits and likes his Twitter account. And That's I would shoot. be very, very shocked if he doesn't take other visits. So I, it's going to be very interesting to watch this manifest because when you do have somebody who's from California, who's in the elite 11, who has an offer from Oregon and Virginia tech and, you know, a bunch of other different places like Kentucky and, and Arizona state and Arizona and, and places closer to home, that, you know, and that's not nothing against the young man. I would probably behave the same exact way if I were him. But when you like the recruiting process a lot, you might not be as willing to shut it down when all the fireworks begin. So, you know, and it's much harder for Louisville to keep somebody from California to stay committed. So very curious to see how it pans out, but certainly a great start for them right now. Are you ready for the photo shoots at your wedding? Are you going to ride a horse like um, in Oklahoma State? Britt got me on a horse in Cabo once, and I couldn't walk right the rest of the night, so I'm not going to be going back on a horse for a while. Um, we So our wedding is like super expensive because the venue is very expensive, but we didn't do anything nuts that most people do at their weddings, like with a live band or a cake or a ice sculpture of a golf bag. Like We didn't do any of that stuff, and I think that we're just relying on one of Britt's friends who's also a photographer to take some pictures for 25 minutes during the night. And then that's it. So great venue, okay. great venue wedding was, uh, the corners were cut at a lot of places because we wanted to how let much? the ocean. How much? How, no, how, no, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna ask you how much. <laughs> I was going to say, whoa, bud. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's a personal question. How much time are you allotting for Landis's uh, toast? Uh, 45 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes. That's What's what crazy saying. is that Landis and I are going to be driving from Laguna Beach to Phoenix at the same time because we're both leaving Monday together. morning, not but together. not together. But I'm going to make sure that I can tail behind him. Yeah. Maybe let his uh, his fiance or his wife now. Wow. Just that's yeah. what happens when you get a shotgun wedding. People forget you got married. You uh, uh, I'm going to make his wife drive their car and Landis is going to ride with me. And that's, then we're going to tail I mean, his that's wife. That's really what you want, right? Yeah. You would rather drive with Bill. I know you you love Brit. You have well, Brit's not driving with me. Brit's flying back okay. from California. Okay. But Brit's flying okay. to Texas with Cal with her mom back to Texas, and I'm coming to the summit. That's how I'm spending my the week, the first week, the first day of me being with married. Me. The next day, I'm going to be in a car with Landis. I hope. That's awesome. Speaking of Bill Landis, Dollar B. Ohio State, two commitments last week, four star cornerback from tampa Dijon johnson mm -hmm. uh ranked 270 nationally 29 quarterback in a three-star high three-star wide receiver from florida zephyrsville florida bryson rogers 364 first of all what in the hell is going on with brian hartline they took a receiver who's not ranked in the top 100. Yeah, I guess there's two ways to so look. So this guy's going to be a first-round pick, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just like funny. There's two ways to look at Ohio State's class. There's like the negative way, which is how I tend to which look at it. your approach. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. And my, my, my approach is if you made the banner of their website uh, of 247's or Ohio State's 247 page uh, blue and white and then redacted the names, you would have a Penn State class. 
That's what I look at right now. I see nine commitments and I see one top 100 player. And if you remember on this podcast before the year started, I said I'm very curious about how Ohio State's going to do this year uh, because they have a very uh, light class of players in Ohio and nationally it's going to be more of a challenge than it's been in the past. And so far it looks like they're going to be finishing the class in the five to seven range. Um, okay, let's make you, you make a lot of bets on the, the pot with Andy. Let's make a bet. Here. But I don't want to bet because it's like Ohio State could just get like six top 100 players well, you, in two you months. You texted me the other day. You said their class is going to be outside the top five. Are you going to back that up? No, I think they'll probably finish five if I had to guess. Okay. But five is outside of where they should be. Did I say they're going to be outside the top five in the text? Because that's not, so. I don't mean that. Okay. Um, I But I think I'm on high alert that Ohio State's class is going to look like Texas's class from last year, which is number five overall nationally in four top 100 players and distinctly behind the top four, which would be a now, complete disaster for them. Now, I know kids don't necessarily think this way, or maybe they do, but you're Bryson Rogers, you're, you're a wide receiver, and you've seen the level to which Ohio State uh, recruits that position. That's got to be a nice boost for your ego. Oh, Brian yeah, Hartline for sure. What do you mean they don't think, think that way? You of course are, it is. Yeah, think that you at... 364 are basically they, they think he's a top 100 player listen so you're, you're gonna get gonna, you're gonna get rankings bumps too let's not yes. let's not like bryson rogers is a three-star prospect um ranked number 364 nationally his offers are alabama florida florida state georgia uh maryland miami michigan michigan state missouri nebraska oregon penn state tennessee Virginia Tech, Washington, and West Virginia, and a bunch of other ones that I skipped over because they suck. So I think that it's probably within the realm of rationality to think that this kid is a little bit better than his rating indicates. And I think a lot of people will say if and when Ohio State gets some ratings bumps uh, that it's bull and 247 has it out for the big programs, and you'll hear all the same. But if you look at the two players that Ohio State did just land – they both have Alabama offers. So like that to me, like more so like if I see sure. a high ranking, I take it for what it's worth because if they're high, highly rated, there's a reason for it. Um, and if they're not, the first thing I go look at is their offers list. And I was just like, these commitments don't make, really make sense. And I looked at their offers list. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see where they, they end up. But Ohio has Ohio State's class has nine players in it. And uh, four of them are from Ohio. Four of them are from Florida. Uh, and one of them's from Tennessee. The four from Florida, none of them are in the top 25 players in Florida. So you have a, a a situation where Ohio State is basically maxed out with Ohio talent going into the program this year. They might get one more commitment, which would bring them to five. Uh, they haven't made a scratch in the top end of, of, of the rankings, at least, in the state of Florida. And there's no secondary uh, recruiting territory that will be easy for them. So will they sign seven to 10 top 100 players. I think that it's possible. Uh, but I also know that they're probably only going to sign 22 guys this year and they have nine commitments already, which means that every single commitment that they take for the rest of the cycle has to be from a top 100 player, which is going to be really hard to do um, sure. uh, in order for them to be in that same realm. And the way I explained it on the Ohio state show is I don't know if the ranking is more important uh, is, is as important, like where they finish in the ranking. Cause you can finish in the top you can finish in the top five and still have a have a below average or a, a miss of a class if you're Ohio State. But what I think you want is to make sure that you are in the the realm of teams that have an average player ranking of 93 or above. 
Like if you go look at the 2022 final standings, you have Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, all of whom um, signed multiple five-star prospects and um, you know had really high average player ratings. Then you look at five Texas and below, and there's a three-point drop in average player rating from five down. So I don't know where Ohio State needs to end for it to be uh, considered a successful season or cycle, but it has to be in the top tier or I'm going to rake them. So, uh, and I already have the column written Ryan in my Day, head. Ryan Day, you have been warned. No, I mean, it's just like there's a standard at Ohio State in signing a Penn State class is not that standard, even if that class happens to finish number five. Because you will, Can we work on the headline? Ryan Day, you're not at Penn State. How's this that? isn't Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. We are not Penn State. Could you imagine, could you imagine the, the comment section <laughs> there we go. if yeah. I wrote a story and the headline is you are not Penn State? Like what yeah. What would happen to me? If you think about all the comments Purity, I always get. I would. Uh, so I listened to the beginning of your Ohio State spring draft pod with Landis where you kicked his ass in the draft. Mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't share this with you because I, I, I gave him a draft strategy next time. Because he took Stroud, and then you had some of the other better premier players. He should have taken Kyle McCord and Devin Brown with his next two picks, leaving you without a quarterback, and then it wouldn't matter. His team would be better. What do you think of that strategy? But we only did 22 rounds, and you had to fill out your team. Oh, I, I didn't so know So your strategy's that. gone. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be cool if I just took an offensive lineman on well, every pick. Well, no, you could you could put – Devin Brown could Devin play. Devin Brown could play corner. Uh, yeah, you know, CJ Stroud could be left tackle and you'd be good. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Yeah. I think what he messed up on was going snake, not letting us go snake because he yeah. went every other right. and then he took one player and then I didn't have to take my player to the last pick of the draft and I got the next two picks. Yeah, so it's kind of embarrassing for Ohio State beat writer to get his ass kicked in an Ohio State. Well, draft. I mean, we're about a year removed away from me being more removed yeah. from it, but I know most of the players on that team still. Yeah. Do you know where Washington Courthouse, Ohio? I is? do. I've been there. Where is it? It's like uh, Southwestern. Okay. I just, because Kentucky got a commitment from a tight end from White Washington Courthouse, number 504 nationally, Tanner Lamaster. And I just thought that was like the quintessential oh, yeah. Mark Stoops, Ohio. Yeah, like it's if, like if on the way to date. From scratch. Yeah. But that's like a tight end, not a four star, but a really solid three star from Ohio. Yeah. That, that's basically yeah. how he got rolled. That's the exact player the Big Ten is, bait, is, is built off of or used to be built off of. And now Kentucky is winning nine games a year with those guys. Uh, good for them. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the trivia. We've got other stuff to go, but I th- again, I think the trivia could could lead to, to some more talk. Um, and I know maybe some other people have researched this and spit out these numbers in a different format here. Uh, but over the last five years, basically I looked at every five-star in the 247 commit over the last five years in divvied them up by states. Can you, I don't know. I don't know the best way to ask the question. Okay. What, what, what are the top six states of five, producing five stars over the last five years in order? That was a lot of information for a very straightforward question. And I'm kind of confused. Yeah, I know. What, what, I, I, well, I just had this data down. I didn't really write a question. Okay. I'm going to look at a United States map. Am I allowed to do that? Okay. Uh, yeah, I can, you can't picture a map in your head. Um, I can, but I if I start naming them off, I'll lose track. Okay, okay so the so basically the best talent producing t- states, a five star talent, of last five years. Florida, not, I, hey, not not tw- not twenty twenty three. Florida, twenty twenty. Florida is third. Texas, Texas is first with twenty seven. Georgia is second with twenty five. Florida is third with twenty one. So I said Texas, Georgia, and, and Florida, right? You got the you got the top three, but not in the right order. Okay. Or whatever. Good job. 
Okay, so it's one, two, and three? Yes. Okay, so then California? Yes, but a huge drop. This was surprising. Maybe it shouldn't have been. Florida was third at 21. California's fourth at 11. Yeah. Does that surprise you? No. A little bit. bit. We know it's not producing as, but it's, it's a pretty big state. Yeah, it's a pretty big state, but I feel like the northern half of it isn't as, I don't know. Uh, Florida is like football through and through, and I don't know, California, there's some surfing going on out there. Um, Texas is just okay. a huge state mass, like for land uh, that's obsessed with football, so that makes sense. But is the surprise right, so the fifth? Is that what's like? Okay. No, okay. There's four that we just mentioned. There's two that are tied for five, and then there's three that are tied in the next For five-star uh, talent. Yeah. So there's two two more okay after california f is 11 are they obvious one of them you should get the other one louisiana no uh pennsylvania no tennessee no um one i should get one you should get the other one makes sense once you think about it north carolina because of no should i give it alabama used to live used to live in one of the states ohio yeah Seven. Oh wow! I didn't realize that. That that must have been a good okay, run for now, Ohio. Yeah. Now think of a state which you might not normally think of, but they've had a good run of elite talent. Like, That's why I was guessing North Carolina and stuff. Yeah, you'll be like, ah, oh, it makes sense. Um. So it's not Massachusetts, is what you're saying? No, of course not. Uh, Massachusetts a good run of top talent in a few years. Um. Jersey. No, South Carolina. South Carolina. I wouldn't have gotten that one. Okay, there's three that have six. Those two have seven. There's three that have six. You have mentioned two of them already. Okay, well, we don't have to. I've already named them, so you can tell. Louisiana, North Carolina, and Virginia each have six. Okay. Then there's four with five. Alabama, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Washington, our favorite topic. I should have said Washington Uh, just to make a point uh, of the... Well, I was going to bring it up before when you were talking about Ohio State that they, you know, Class of 21, they had two five-star kids from Washington. That really helps your class. Yeah. There's four that have three. Arizona, Michigan, Mississippi, and Tennessee. The ones with two, D.C., which is in the state, but, you know, Illinois, Nevada, and New Jersey and Oklahoma. And then these have one, Kentucky, Missouri, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin. And by the way, I... Did not just put all of the IMG kids in Florida. I looked them up to see where they're actually from. Oh, okay. So you took uh, so you took them out the IMG kids out of Florida. Yes, yes. Well, that's and, a, that's um, an astute thing for you to do. Because uh, there's a decent amount, obviously, and like for instance, like here's one too, like Luther Burden, who's going to Missouri this year. We think of him as a St. Louis product, but he's from he's Illinois. From Illinois. So, well, who did you yeah, give him to? Who so, would you give him to? I would give him to. I would still give him to Missouri. I think he doesn't live in Missouri. He's from Illinois. I grew up in New Jersey, right across the river. I grew up in New Jersey, not New York. Would you put me in New York? I mean, that's a little bit different. Why? St. Louis is the city that that person grew up in, regardless of where his house was situated. I grew up in Illinois. Went to high school in Illinois. Have you been to that area? You literally could, like, it's it's like a six-minute drive from downtown. Right. So if you ask him where he's from, he will say St. Louis. So, he's from, he's from I know he's from. He lives in Illinois. If he's got any, he's got any state pride, he's from Is it Illinois. East St. Louis? Is that or I mean, is that what his yes. city's called? I believe it's from East St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. East St. Louis is like saying, it's like being from. 
any regular suburb of a city. And if he identifies if, if, if St. Louis is a property of Missouri in terms of the game of recruiting risk, if Missouri's entire existence as a program is predicated on owning St. Louis and Luther Burden identifies as a person from St. Louis, then that is a Missouri prospect to me. Like I don't, I don't I view agree. him as like an Illinois. That, like Illinois has to make sure they get that guy. Like, of course yeah. not. But the kid's, but he's from Illinois. He's this is what we. This is by the way. Anybody listening to this is how me and him argue about editing my stories every day. I say something I mean, that is a fact, and then it's not a hundred percent action. It's like no, it's I say something that everybody understands, but it's not technically a fact. So Mitch has to pull. Uh, the thread of it until there's nothing. You left. say something that's technically not good grammar, and then I have to technically fix it. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Um, you want to talk collectives for a minute? Sure. No. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm boring you. Um, well, he said collective, so I. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Stu Mandel had, had a story today, um, tapping into some of his sources in, in that field. And he reported, uh, I believe Stu saw contracts for a four-star wide receiver, a million dollars over his career. A top 10 defensive lineman was a three-year deal worth one million. I guess he's just assuming he's uh, le- you know, going to leave early. And then a three-star defensive lineman, 500000 over the four years. That's what interests me. Like the, f- the five-star kids and the quarterbacks, we're going to see a ton of money. How deep does this market go? Like a three-star defensive lineman. Evidently, there's a market for him. Just, what was the no, what was the dollar amount? A hundred grand? No, five hundred. I mean, five hundred grand over, for a three star offensive four, lineman. Yeah, over four years, three star defensive lineman. No thoughts. I don't. I mean, I don't know. How, it's a lot of money. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if it's. Sometimes I I like to think, eventually the money's going to run out, and then sometimes I think that's a stupid way to look at it. Because I think that we underestimate how much money there is in college football booster world and how much money these people want to spend. So I, I, I waffle back. If and you think about, about 500 grand, think, like what it would take for me and you to make 500,000 bucks, what would the obligations? A couple savvy bets on your part. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, NBA playoffs are started, so we're, we're riding. Um, you, did you bet on the I'm Nets? going to be betting on that. my wedding day, just so you know. Can I bet on whether or not the wedding goes through? Sure. What are the odds there? I think that they're pretty high because what is she going to do? Leave me at the altar and then return to our house and then raise our child together? Kid. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what, what are we? You're, you're in a pretty She's good spot. already like, I don't leverage. know if she wants to get married, but she basically has to <laughs> at this point because she already, yeah. you know, like everybody always says, are you nervous to get married? I was like, uh, I've already made my, the biggest commitment a human being can make because even if she hates me. Or she doesn't want to see me ever again. She has no choice but for the next 18 years to be in my life in some regard. Like there's yeah. no getting away from each other. So might as well just give it a whirl and see how it goes. You know, and in five years, she changed yeah. her mind. You know, it's no different than what's already would have you, to happen. You can transfer now without sitting out. Like, I don't she even can, know. Like if you, you know. if you aren't married, because we've been living for six months with our bank accounts together. Or almost a year now. I don't know. It's been a while. Like if her and I were like, we're not getting married, I wouldn't even know where to begin to divvy up the money now because it's been like, it's so cross-pollinated now. Right. One of my wife's teacher friends, they've been married for like 25 years. They, they've sep- she just found this out. They have separate bank accounts. How weird is that? I've got friends that have separate bank accounts. I think it's really? fine. Yeah. I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. That's my thing. I think it's weird because I wouldn't want to be going to dinner with my 
wife in four years <laughs> and having to decide who's paying for it. Yeah, just what's mine like, is yours. What's yeah, yours is yeah, mine. yeah, yeah. Well, money's money complicates things. I get it. Uh, on the podcast that I recorded with Bill Landis earlier in the day, we talked about whether or not. Oh, I thought the, I thought the draft was the last one. No, we did one today. There's another one coming. I'm, I'm okay. banging up podcasts before I hit the road today, so I only have one responsibility while I'm driving. Write the story. Yes, write a long story about a subject I know nothing about. Um, I also. Uh, <laughs> What, what, Look forward to editing it. Yeah, yeah. But good luck editing it. Yeah, seriously, it's yeah. gonna. Be, you know what? You better. You, I, you better prepare I know what's yourself. coming. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think dumpster fires. Landis and I. And I'm gonna try to do a good job. Uh, started our podcast that we recorded on April 19th, the day that an hour before we did this one about whether or not you can marry your second cousin. So that's that's we spent five minutes on that. Like the legality of it, or because well, I went to get my marriage certificate with Britt last week and. I was surprised at how fast it was. Like you go there, you give them your driver's license and then you sign a paper and it's over with. But they ask you a series of questions that I was not prepared for. Like one was, are you guys related by blood? <laughs> and I was like, do you get people answering that in the affirmative a lot here? And she goes, you would be surprised. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I had like this thought about like, what is actually a blood relative, a blood relative of somebody who actually shares your blood, like your parents' blood. Yeah. So if your cousin like my dad's brother's son is my cousin, but my dad's brother's wife has no relation to my family whatsoever. So right. his wife's sister's daughter, I could marry. <laughs> you could. Would you want to? No, <laughs> I've never met her. She seems like a nice young lady. I, I, I'm just saying, I don't think that that. Where, where did Landis stand on this? He is said he he's, he's okay Mary? with that. As long as there's no. Okay. He said it may or may not have happened in his family. And we, <laughs> that, we so were, he's, he's defensive. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and we were laughing about it because like on the surface, it sounds weird, but I have no more or less relation to that girl that I just described my cousin's cousin than I would any random person. Right. Like what if you met her randomly? Yeah, and we just fell and in love. Like, like, I, like I, I, I don't, I yeah. wouldn't judge somebody for doing that. Yeah, you would. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would. But I'm happy to report on this podcast and the Ohio State podcast that Britt and I are not related yet. Yet. Yeah. Okay. Good. We have a child who's related by our blood, but me and her are completely separate families. Is your child right now wearing a headband? Uh, yeah. Okay. Just part of the look, right? I don't think that's weird. I don't know why okay. you think that's weird. There's every picture I see, she's got a headband. Doesn't Look, every female baby them. have a headband on? So we didn't put, I don't think Zoe wore headbands. It's like a way of making a baby that's still growing their hair out look feminine. Yeah, that's what that's what Heather said because I showed the picture and I said she's always wearing a headband and said she's a little lady. Yeah, I think so, she's. Cute. I think Heather was. Yeah, she's yeah. We we spent seven thousand dollars on headbands. That's I'm totally that's a kidding. Lot of okay, I know, right. I know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, well, I know you got to go soon. We, you've got you got a lot going on, but uh, you told me a very funny story the other day. Am I allowed to the curse on this fruit, podcast? Sure. The grape juice. Computer story from your fresh, freshman. We're, yes. we're, you're back at Tucson, Arizona. A young young freshman, Ari. What happened? I'm actually going to be in Tucson in two days, so I missed talking to Jed Fish in person. Ah. Which would have made the story. So uh, a little backdrop on the story, because I texted Ari after the Nets-Celtics um, game won. I just said I needed a hug. And you knew what I meant right away. And I said I, and I had to control myself watching the I game had the Nets my, plus four, so I was in a good spot. I, <laughs> <laughs> my son's girlfriend was over watching the game with us 
So I couldn't sit there. And I, I said I had to control myself. I couldn't lash out with F-bombs left and right. And you said, why not? Why not? And then you, then you proceeded to tell me the grape juice story. When I was a freshman or sophomore in college, which was, believe it or not, man, uh, 10 years ago. No. Shit, like 12 years ago. 13 yeah, years I was ago. A freshman, I was a freshman 30 years ago. Um, my dad bought me a brand new Mac laptop so I could be a sports writer and have a computer to work on in the press box. And it was those Macs that were white. Remember the back in the day when they were sure. white? Yeah. And I got this computer. And then the, shortly after I got this computer, I accidentally spilled grape juice on it. <laughs> I don't even know why I had grape juice in my door. Yeah, why why did you get grape juice? <laughs> I don't know if it was Passover. Was it grape juice and vodka or something? It was, it was legitimately grape juice. Okay. White grape juice or purple? purple? Come on, man. Who am I? Uh, if you get white grape juice, I don't know. Like, like, why would you? If you're sitting in the grocery aisle and you're looking at grape juice and you see white and, and purple, why would you pick white? I think my parent, my mom used to get that like on Jewish holidays. When the they, white one? Yeah. Well, people have wine. You're supposed to get the purple get one so it mirrors wine. I, made, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't not, know. I'm not a doctor. Okay. <laughs> I was afraid to call my father because I have ruined a lot of his belongings throughout my upbringing. This is probably like at least a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, it's a thousand dollars, I think, yeah. back then, um, which was a shit ton of money for a dumbass college kid who just wanted a computer right. to write uh, stories on. That had a lot more grammatical errors back then than they do now. So I had my college girlfriend at the God time help your teachers call my father. And this is why I, this was what reminded me, because you said you didn't want to curse in front of your son's girlfriend. And I said, will you please just call my father? I said to her, will you please call my father and just tell him what happened <laughs> so I don't have to deal with this? And I don't know why I Wouldn't did that. So brave. I have no idea why I did that to her, but I did. And so she called guessing the relationship didn't last long. We, we, we lasted like three and a half years, which is a long time for a college okay. relationship. Yeah. Um, called my dad and said, Mr. Wasserman. And, and if you have children in the car, this would be a time to turn it down. She goes, <laughs> I have some really bad news for you, which I don't think she should have started it that way. Right. right. And my father unprompted said, and I quote, Holy <laughs> fucking fuck. You're not fucking pregnant, are you? <laughs> and she was mortified because that wasn't the that, that wasn't the it like and also welcome to how my dad would have handled it if that did happen. Um right, right. Uh, and then she goes, No, 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 Ari broke his computer, and it actually turned out great because he was relieved. She oversold yes. it. Yeah. So it's like something terrible could have happened and then it was just replacing the computer which kind of like brought him down a little bit and i think he was relieved my parents who have supported me through thick and thin my entire life got me a new computer and here i am doing this podcast with you happily ever after but my dad has made off-color jokes like that to every significant other that i've ever had since the beginning of my life so does, when uh, you say break it along with your yeah yeah, yeah. i mean does, she's still kind of you know Getting to know him a little bit, you know, but yeah, yeah, you know, we're all, we're all having fun over here. Um, my parents and, and her mom and, you know, we, we got a nice little family here now. So, uh, but I love my father very much. Uh, he's taught me to be, uh, what I think is a good man. He has never been one to censor himself. We used to listen to like Jackie Martling comedy when I was like in fourth grade in the car. Explains a yeah, lot. Yeah, which was like Howard Stern's right-hand man and told the dirtiest jokes I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, this is what I was, like, listening to on the way to elementary school. 
He bought me a Tupac record when I was like six years old. You know those CD Walkmans back in the day they used to run with oh, that yeah. used to go around your ears? Yeah, I was listening to like All Eyes on Me on the way to elementary school. Just show a little more discretion with Liv. I w- well, actually, I've, I've been pretty bad about that. Um, so I got I to gotta do my best to not... It's just my theory is that everybody curses all the time in every day walk of life. And I feel like making them not say it or glorifying the word makes it more tempting for them to say it when they find out. Eh, I don't know if everyone does. Everybody in my life does. does. Heather doesn't swear. But if you talk to people in a business setting, a lot of them swear. Like swearing isn't like swearing is such a much bigger deal in, in middle school than it is in the world. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's my life lesson on how to parent. Yeah. Well, all right. We got to go, but proud of you, Ari. Thanks, bud. You're growing up. You're growing up. Sorry for making you upset yesterday. Are you though? Yeah. I felt bad. Okay. All right. We've moved on. Um, Next time I see you. Well, the first time I ever see you will be in a couple of weeks. I'll get my paws on you. College football summit. You give me a big hug and you'll be married at that point. Looking forward to it. Yeah, this is going to be a great time. I'm actually looking forward to it. I know most people go oh, for enjoy. I go. I know you're stressed, but enjoy it. I will enjoy it once state of the program's over with. <laughs> I'm going to be driving in the middle of the desert tomorrow, and I have to pull over at 9:30 Pacific time to talk to Jed Fish on the phone. The head coach of your alma mater. Yeah, you should love that. Bear down, Arizona. Bear down, red and blue. <laughs> Bear down, Arizona. Hit him hard, let him know who's... Isn't that the weakest fight song in the history of college athletics? And then they're playing it's, USC and they've got the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Like, who's going to win? <laughs> you, you singing it makes it slightly better. Yes, yes. Well, That's a highlight of the pod. Uh, next week uh, or two weeks from now... Are you going to join us I'm going to try. I'm bringing my microphone. Andy is going to okay. replace me on next week's show, but I will try to join you if I'm around. Because I do miss you well, and, and, and I will try my best. And then two weeks, we're going to plan on recording a live, a live episode. episode well, not live, like we're going to record together. Together, in, in person, sitting yeah. next to each other. So I'm going live. to bring my mic. Yeah. I'm going to have my yeah, computer, obviously, because I was not relieved of any work duties during my wedding week. And uh, that is so <laughs> incorrect. You were assigned a story two months ago, which you didn't do. Mm-hmm. We probably shouldn't air our dirty laundry here. Yeah. I'm a bad employee. He's a terrible boss. Uh, We'll catch you next week (laughs) on Stars Matter. (laughs) 